This is a podcast about failure. With me, Lola Berry, author, nutritionist, and yoga teacher. Join me as we get to know these guests and learn about how their failures have ultimately shaped their dreams. Welcome to Fearlessly Failing with Lola Berry. I got a guest for you today. I, you know, when you meet somebody and you cannot stop talking about them, this is exactly what happened with Candace Fox. She's an incredible author, crime fiction author, arguably best in the country. She works with the greats as well. James Patterson, who's, I think he's sold over 300 million books. Uh, this, I don't know what number this book is, The Chase, the brand new book for Candace, because I said to her, what book number book is this? And she was like, well, I'm writing number 16 now, but I think there's even another one. But anyway, my point is she's a prolific writer. She's unreal. She's the exact same age as me, but just had such a wonderful, wonderful career. Candace talks about facing 200 rejection letters for publishing before kind of like catching her first break. Uh, she is fascinated with obviously crime and even this most recent book is all about these inmates that get let out of prison and kind of follows not only their stories but the warden's story. So so um, you kind of get to see so many different points of view. Anyway, I digress. Candace Fox, she's incredible. Buckle in. She literally interviewed a full-blown serial killer on death row at San Quentin in San Fran prison. Uh, it's mind-blowing. If you're into human behaviour, you're going to find this a really interesting chat. Candace Fox, I want to be friends with you. You are absolutely unreal. And congrats on the new book. You're the best. Candace Fox, I feel so sorry because I haven't even let you talk. I've literally <laughs> whisked you up from the lobby of the hotel. I'm not even sitting in front of the mic. I'm that excited to have you here. Because yeah. I was like, anything I say, I'm going to be like, and how did this happen? So I want it to be on the pod. I want yep. us to have it down. Yep. So you are a incredible, am I saying this right, crime fiction writer? Is that your genre? Yeah, yeah, crime fiction, yeah. And you've done a plethora of about a mazillion books. How many <laughs> now? I'm working on my 16th. So The Chase would be about the 13th, I think. And you're working on your 16th now? Yeah, there are t- there's two in the pipeline, I think. Wow. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it's hard to get my mind around it. And and one of them is an audio book. There's one that's an audio uh, a fictional podcast that Audible is releasing. So it's Amazing. like, do you count that as a book? Totally. Yeah. Are you recording it? Uh, no, it, they, they have actors and oh. sound effects and stuff. And so dramatic. I love it. Yeah, I never stop. I never stop. I oh. I, I started The Chase. Um, I think my daughter Violet was about six months old um, but I finished I finished a book 10 days before she was born and I started the next one three days after she was born. No, you didn't. Yeah, I did. No. I never stop. I never stop, yeah. I want to talk. I'm so excited to get into The Chase because mm. I messaged you on Insta. I binged The Chase <laughs> in three days. Yeah, like great. I'm talking 
non-stop and <laughs> my, we drove uh, from from Byron to Sydney mm. and I said to my boyfriend, I'm like, can I please not drive? Like I've just really got to finish this. <laughs> so That's great. I couldn't put down and I'm going to be completely honest with you, I've never read crime fiction before oh, and now okay. I'm like I've spent like all the last night I was YouTubing you, James Patterson, like so okay. all the okay. and yeah. I had no idea like when your publicist emailed me about this book and you, mm. I read the, like, publicist send, like, a hit point, like, yeah. of all the things, like, mm. your dad worked as a prison officer, is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Your mum sounds amazing. I cannot wait to talk about Ocean Mermaid, <laughs> legally changing <laughs> yeah. the name. Yeah. Uh, and then I had seen that you had interviewed a serial killer in yeah. real life. Yes, yeah. And yeah. that was where I was like, <gasps> who is but, this girl? <laughs> but your publicist mm. said, what I think is amazing about Candison for this podcast because about failing. Mm. Did you get 200 rejection, rejection letters before yes. you got mm. your first break? Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to be a writer very early and I was taking it very, very seriously from about age 12. Uh, we got a family computer and I had started writing short stories and things on there and my brothers started printing them out and, like, reading them to me dramatically, like mocking me. And I, I remember saying to my mum, I just can't work like this, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need my own computer. Um, so I was pretty serious about it pretty early on and I think I got my first rejection letter when I was about 16 and then I just, I just thought, Right. You know, I've never been someone who's liked people saying, you know, you can't sit with us or you're not good enough for ours, yeah. you know, and, and they, I just got this very, my very first no. And, um, and that just lit the fire, I think. I've heard you say in interviews before, it actually inspired you. Yeah. You saw like the publisher letterhead, yeah. your name, the title of the book there, yes. or whatever you were trying to get off the ground. Because mm, mm, mm. was it true you started writing like fantasy genre? Yes. And- so I, I was very into Anne Rice and I wrote a lot of vampires, werewolves, oh, end amazing. of the world kind of stuff. Yeah, aliens, uh, zombies. And I still love that kind of stuff. I'd love to write that kind of stuff, but I'd, uh, I'll write it on the side maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I have a free 10 minutes. Um, uh, but, yeah, and uh, uh, so I... I started sending stuff away um, and just, you know, just quietly. Uh, I told my mum that I was submitting things but I didn't tell anyone else because I, I wasn't brave enough for people to know that. And, yeah, the rejection letters just started flooding in. And I had a couple of false starts when I was very young. I received a letter from what was called the New York Literary Agency and Mm. it was a very beautiful kind of letter um, with a big beautiful letterhead on it and a gold, it had like a gold embossed bit on the envelope. And, you know, just getting mail at all when you're 16, you're like, this is so exciting, (laughs) it's for me, what is it, you know. Uh, And, uh yeah, and they said, oh, we love your book and it had the title and everything and it said, um, all you have to do is send us a $250 reader's fee. And at that time my mum had four kids and then she adopted two and then she was fostering up to six more kids at a time. So. Wasn't it like 150 all up or yeah, something? Yeah, 155 all up um, across my childhood. So 250 bucks was a lot of yeah. money, you know. Yeah. And uh, so we sent it away and then they were like, oh, we just need another $250 reader's fee. And <laughs> oh. 
we just need another 250, you know. And then they, they were like, we're sending it to our senior editor and all this. Oh. And I know. And I've then, never heard of a reader's fee. No, Is it a thing? It's a thing. It's ah. a thing, yeah. But, um, y- yeah, people should be very, very wary if there are any aspiring authors out there about paying for people to read your yeah, work. Yeah, I've because, never heard of that. Oh. I write books too but very different. I'm um, health yeah. and wellness. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. I've never heard of that. But as an author, I've got to say the I opened up your dedication page of The Chase. Okay. Do you know? Do you yeah, 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 the aspiring author. And it's, yeah, it says yeah. To, to all the aspiring authors, never give up. Yeah. And I sent it to a couple of mates that are writers and I was like, you need to see this. Oh, it's so nice. It's, 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 uh, it's hard. It's so hard to get published. It's, you know, I looked up the stats on it uh, at one point and you are four times more likely um, to contract syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> and you're ten times more likely to be struck by lightning. Um, no. Yeah, I ran those stats myself. Yeah, <gasps> so um, getting lightning from syphilis, um, <laughs> you are you are fifty times more likely. No, um, that's actually that's actually true. It, it's hard, and and you think about. <laughs> Amazing. You know how easy it is if you're an aspiring author to just say to yourself. This is never going to happen because, you know, there are 12. I read an article in The Guardian and it said that there are 12 people in the country making a living from this full time. And as an author, as a publisher. As an author, yeah. Wow, 12 and, people. Yeah, that was in, you know, 2006 or whatever it is. But there was a study recently wow. and it wasn't it wasn't much better. Um, <sighs> just if you're an author, you have to have a side hustle type of thing. Yeah, totally. And my dream was to be one of those 12 people, I suppose. So it's kind of like wanting to represent Australia in the Olympics or whatever. You just A hundred, that's what yeah. it sounds like with those stats. Yeah. And you and I are this exact same age and so it's so nice seeing someone just go after (laughs) their dreams and just be on the top of the mountain. And the other thing that I've noticed listening to you, because before I researched you, my commitment was to I I had to finish the chase. Like I was in it, I was was invested, (laughs) had my faves, you know, and then I was like, now I want to get to know Candace. And I was like, oh, she's so normal and grounded and down to earth and Mm. like, your books are printed in over 15 different languages. Like, you know, yeah, you're yeah. killing it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And you, just, you seem very... Like um, humble, grounded, down well, to earth. I make an effort to do that because I, I think that there's a perception that being, you know, an author uh, in particular, you got to have some kind of magical genius to you. Like you, oh, I speak to muses, or I've yeah. I've bloody done my PhD or something, or you have to know a publisher and you have to be part of a rich family and all this kind of stuff. And I, I just feel like people ought to know. Like I'm from Bankstown, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm from Sydney's West and yeah. I went to a public high school and I just, you know, I just chased it and chased it and chased it and a lot of it was fueled by, like I say, by that anger of people saying to me, you can't, you know, yeah. you can't be a part of this group and me going, I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Hold my beer. I absolutely love it. Mm. So... Would you say the inspiration for kind of like writing crime, dad being a parole officer, mum fostering so many kids, so I've heard you say like police officers will drop these kids off and kind of yeah. tell your mum the story. Yeah. So you're hearing, you're kind of like absorbing yeah. all this kind of, 
plus also wasn't your mum like really into reading crime as yes. well? And didn't your dad have the magazines, like yeah, the yeah. police magazines? Yeah, we're were? just a hugely voyeuristic family. We just like to be right where the drama yeah. is and right where the chaos <laughs> is. And my mum is one of those people, if there's a crime scene, there's police tape, she'll wander up to the edge of the police tape really? and be like, well, hey, what's going on? Oh, it was so much amazing. <laughs> you know, she has no subtlety whatsoever. Um, and so, yeah, she would have police magazines lying around with like horrific photos in them and, you know, James Patterson novels and yeah. and true crime stuff just just around, like yeah. not locking it up or anything. Like she had stuff in her – the best stuff was in her bedroom. I'd go in there and you and I'd read like the – I'd have a look at the Kama Sutra yeah. <laughs> and then like um, she had The Joy of Sex yeah, uh, yeah. and I would read that one. And then I'd be straight into the true crime yeah. like and you flip to the middle where they got the glossy pages with the pictures. And, yeah. Oh, my God. But she's also someone who um, – she's so engaged in – in true crime, she'll tell you. And and I remember her saying, oh, if anyone ever comes up to you when you're a kid and says, oh, I've lost my puppy, can you help me find my puppy, never go with them. Yeah. And I'd go, why? And she'd go, well, because there was this woman yeah. named Myra Hindley and she would just go and tell me and she'd be like, and then he, she took him to yeah. the van and all this and I'm, I'm like seven, <laughs> you know, I'm hearing this horrific stuff. And uh, and my dad, yeah, my dad would come home from the prisons and say, oh, you know, this guy's um, slit his throat with the lid of a tuna can mm. or this guy got stabbed or whatever or this guy's in for this or that. And, um, yeah, I was just hearing. There was just yeah. no filter. There was no filter. I went from zero to ten, you know, just. Yeah. Um, and that, it's, it's affected me a little bit. It's, it's desensitised me a little bit because. If I'm watching a, a Netflix series or something oh. and no one's dead within the first episode, I'm like, do I really, you know, <laughs> can we move on to something a bit more, you know, high stakes? Um, yeah. Uh, but in other ways, if I am reading or listening to crime or something and I hear something that really disturbs me and I go yeah. down into that Wikipedia well, yes. that's when I know I'm really passionate about it and what is the theme of that? Is it like motherhood? Is it innocence and escaping? Is it captivity? Whatever it is, you know. So I did exactly that last night. I watched an interview with you and you had written two for two years and then sat down and interviewed the toolbox, one of the yeah, toolbox killers. Yes. And I was like, oh, my God, being a 1985 kid, like I had, I so I was probably too young to mm. have been totally aware of it. But then as soon as I dived down that rabbit hole, watched a doco on YouTube and I was oh like, my oh, my God. <laughs> and, yeah. you're so, and so the guy that you spoke to, that was Lawrence Bittaker. Bittaker. Mm. Is it true that you were literally in a cage with him? Yes. <laughs> There was a sniper on him in yeah. case he touched you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so, so that sounds. It sounds really brave and amazing that I went there and experienced that. But actually, I had no idea that was going to happen. Like I wrote to Lawrence because I watched a documentary on him. I wrote to him and I basically, you know, not in these words, but I basically said, "I am a crime author." 
All I do is think about monsters all day long. You are the most monstrous person that I've ever heard of. Like, yeah. you know, what you did was so horrifying um, that it's disturbed me of all people. So I want to I want to ask you some questions. Can I come visit? And he was like, hell yeah, come visit. You know, yeah. this will be great. Um, and so when you go to San Quentin to death row to visit these guys, they, they give you the visitor's handbook, which is an A4 sheet of paper. You know, double-sided. It's like it's not a book, okay? <sighs> that is my first complaint. <laughs> <laughs> and and it says, you know, these are the visitors' times and this is where you should park and this is what you should and shouldn't wear when they're very specific about that and, and, um, and this is what you can and can't bring. And it says nothing about what you're actually going to experience yeah. when you get there. And so Tim said, how long is it? But this is my husband. Yeah. Tim said, how long is this visit? I said, I don't actually know. <laughs> and he, he said, and so what do you do? You Like you sit behind glass. I said, I imagine you sit behind glass with yeah. like a phone. Like that Ted Bundy scene at the very end, Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. And and so I get there and I, and I get into the prison. I get in death row and I've been searched and yelled at and bloody told to walk on a line and all this and it's all very, very secure. And then I get there and I said to a guard, um, here to see Lawrence Bittaker, um, where do I go? And he said, oh, you'll, um, he's going to be in that cage there. So it's a, it's a floor-to-ceiling yeah, shark cage basically right, oh. with steel mesh, like oh. holes were like this, and oh. then bulletproof glass all around the inside and this big door with bulletproof glass. And I said, okay, he's going to be in there. Where am I going to be? And the guard's like, in there. Oh. And I said, at the same time? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. He said, you looked at the visitor's handbook and I was like, it's not a book. <laughs> it's a piece of paper and it didn't say anything about this. Um, and, and you know what the scariest part is, is that they brought him out and he was cuffed and everything and they put him in the cage and they put me in the cage and they shut the door and he put his hands through the the, the mesh so that yeah. they could uncuff him and they padlocked the door and then they walked away, the guards, and the whole time that all that was happening I didn't say anything because I didn't want to be rude. <laughs> and I thought I don't want to be rude to yeah. this guy. I am yeah. basically I am basically locking myself in a cage with a tiger because I don't want to be rude to the tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, did, I just allowed this to happen, and then <laughs> and then I said to him, "Okay, you know." And there was all these pleasantries of like, "Oh, thanks for coming to see me," and all this. And um, I said to him, "Well, I'm a little bit surprised that this is happening." And he said, "What?" I said, "This, like, we yeah. we, we were sitting closer than you and I are sitting right now." Yeah, wow. And he said, "Oh, yeah, it's a full contact visit. Um, we can touch each other if you want." And I, he put his hand out, shake my hand, and I was like, oh, thank God you specified what kind of t- <laughs> touching you were suggesting because, oh, wow. And I, <laughs> I shook his hand and I said, you know, I don't want to give you any ideas, you know, but what happens if you, like, lunge at me or something, yeah. you know, like Hannibal Lecter style? Yeah. And then I thought, why did you say Hannibal <laughs> <laughs> Of all people yeah. to not bring that up with. Um and he said, oh, you know, if you look outside the cage there, there, there was like a triangle in the corner of the ceiling cut out and he said there's a rifle man there. He's gonna sh- he'll shoot me if anything goes down. And oh. I was like, I have so many problems with that. I don't yeah. even. And he was like, didn't you read the visitor's handbook? Yeah. I was like, don't even, don't even start. Don't even start me on that. Oh, my God. Because this is in America, right, versus yeah. here. It would be quite different here. 
Um, I have been to Lithgow Maximum yeah. Security Prison um, and that's not the worst of the worst, like Supermax. You know, you would never get into Supermax yeah. to visit anyone, I, I wouldn't think. But um, they have different – at Lithgow they had different situations. So there's sitting together and then there's sitting with glass and then there's the, t- the really bad guys like the terrorists and, and, yeah. and people who are under watch, they have like a blacked out situation. Oh, wow. Like they sit in a box and there's just like a – um, oh, wow. A slot that they can see through and then, yeah, to meet with their lawyers and stuff. Of course. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, I've got to ask you so much. Can I ask you one more thing about it's Lawrence, right? Mm. At, his IQ was like genius level. Yes, yes. And you could tell that because he was telling me different things that he does in his cell. You know, he can build... He can build a cooker out of his, you know, a toaster and he's yeah. fixed his, he had fiddled around with his typewriter so I can do that. He is very mechanically minded yeah. and tricky and he would smuggle pieces of himself out of the prison to sell online because there are people who want to buy locks of his hair and like toenail oh, wow. clippings and stuff oh, wow. on the internet. That's yeah. legit. Like, Yeah, are, yeah. Oh, it's wow. called murderabilia. It's like memorabilia but it's murder. And so he had all these tricky ways of oh, doing wow. that. So you can see he's very smart. But I was expecting like your Hannibal Lecter type you know, someone evil. who uh, evil owns yeah. their yeah. their crime and is proud of it almost. And and but he was not. He was just an in, insipid old man who's, you know, he was just ready for me to be girlfriend number five because he already had four girlfriends. <gasps> no, and yeah, he was just trying to recruit me as girlfriend number five, and I just was like. You know, wow. and was just, it five hours? Five hours, yeah. Of sitting yeah, in there with yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And, and that bit where you, when you got out to get yourself a snack, did he say yeah. yes when you were like, uh, "Do you want anything?" Yeah, I. Oh, this is the moral questions. <laughs> yeah. The moral questions yeah. started from that first letter where I wrote, "Dear Lawrence," and then I was like, mm, "Yeah, that, should I just put I Lawrence did. or two yeah. Lawrence?" And 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 then, you know, I'm. I had to go to the bathroom and I was really hungry because I was expecting a one or two hour visit. Meanwhile, my husband's at home Googling San Quentin murder, San yeah. Quentin, you know, riot, this kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I said, do you want anything from the vending machine? And I'm thinking, is it really like does he deserve anything yeah. ever um, yeah. from any anywhere? Um, but, uh, yeah, I went to the ven- vending machine and I got him some chips and then I had some chips and, uh, it was a couple of hours in, so I was thinking, well, he hasn't done anything yet, so I was kind of relaxed a yeah. little bit. And I'm there, and I'm eating, I'm eating chips, and he's eating chips, and I was like, these are the best chips in America. And he was like, yeah, they're good, aren't they? And I was like, oh, we enjoy the same chips, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, like it's so, it's he's he's just like an animal, and uh, well, he was, he's dead now, but yeah. uh, uh, I keep talking about him like he's still alive, but. Um, you know, people treat him like an animal. There's all the chains and yeah, the walking them yeah. here to there and the gun trained on him and all that. And he just, he's very animalistic in his life. He just sits in a box for 23 hours a day and then for an hour a day he's allowed to go to yeah. a bigger box um, yeah. and and that kind of thing. And, um, and I, I say all that like, and people are probably thinking I'm saying, oh, Paul Lawrence or whatever. But that's that's what else could you do with him? He can't he can't exist in society. Yeah, because 
Because I've heard you say in an interview he was getting compared to Manson and being worse. Because yeah. he was like, and the yeah. other guy that was a toolbox killer was like fully Roy. confessed to him. Yeah, yeah. Had fully mm. been like, I'm a monster, I confess to what I've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Lawrence is like, well, really only these years I was bad, I was oh, good before that. I he, was- the, his ways of rationalising it were really terrifying. Like he genuinely was sitting there saying to me, for 33 years of my life, I was, you know, this sweet guy, lots of friends, uh, you know, and then I, I, you know, law-abiding and all this and this just this three-month period where I just murdered these five women and, you know, he, he didn't even say it like that, you know. He said these five women ended up getting killed it's like yeah. instead of saying I killed yeah. this, but you know, in this little period, you know, and he called it a phase of his life, and then since then, since I've been arrested, same thing. I'm very popular, law-abiding inside the prison. He said, so if you look at my life as a whole, yeah. really, I've I'm not that bad. And you, yeah, and he's just like that's you proper. are though. You really are though. Sociopathy, isn't yeah. it? And, yeah. and super psychopathy. Because what mm. he I think you also said like he numbered the girls, not the net didn't yeah, name them, yeah. which is like really yeah. distancing. Yeah, and he when he would write the letters, it was all abbreviated, like he would refer to them as V three, like victim number three oh, or V five. Yeah. And, uh, I said to him, what was your plan? you know, were you just going to keep killing women, you know, until you were arrested or what? And he said, oh, by the time I got to number five, and he said, what was her name? And I said, Andrea. And he goes, well, whatever her name was, like that. Yeah, and flick flicks his hand. hand. Yeah, and I just went, oh, that's the little snap yeah. of that's that's the real you under there. Yeah. And then the wall comes up again and it's all of this, oh, poor me. And, yeah, wow. You know, just that little whatever her name was, you know. <gasps> and I... I was trying to describe what his attitude towards these women were like. It's like if you killed a mosquito and and 20 years later somebody said to you, you were in the room at the time the mosquito was killed. We know you like to kill mosquitoes and that mosquito was in the prime of its life and its family is so upset and you'd be like, it was a mosquito. Yeah. Come on, I yeah. don't even remember doing it. I probably did it last week and I don't even remember. You know, it's like, like that. that. that yeah, That's yeah. crazy to think I that, know. right? Yes, I do want to get onto your book because I think it's so amazing. <laughs> but I also listened to you talk about an interview where Tim and you were on your way to a wedding and people were talking about their favourite <laughs> proposals and yes. you were like, well, there's this great proposal and you shared <laughs> yeah. Ted Bundy's yeah. proposal. Can you please just reenact that? Oh, my God. Limo thing? Yeah, because... <laughs> Because see, my life is all now is uh, is all about doing just weird stuff that I've always wanted to do. Yeah, you know, I'm all, I've always been, you know. So so, um, you know, you you walk into my office unexpectedly, and the the, the computer's full of horrific crime scene photos. Or 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 I'm talking to someone and I say I have an amazing, you know, <laughs> a story about a, a bombing. Um, and it's not weird because I'm a crime writer and everyone yeah. knows. But this is back in the day and I'd published like two books and nobody nobody really knew who I was. So well, I was in this car uh, and, and we were carpooling to this wedding and, you know, there was another couple in there and um, and the people were talking about proposals. Like, How did you propose, Tim, and all this kind of stuff? And I was sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, 
I have a great proposal story and I don't know if I should say it. And I sit there and I go, is this weird? Is this weird? Is this weird? And I go, I don't care if it's weird. I'm going to say it. And, And I said, you know, Ted Bundy proposed to his girlfriend in court. Um, and and she said yes, and the fact that they did it in the courtroom made the marriage legal, and nobody can stop them, and they they did it. And one of the ladies said, "Who's Ted Bundy?" And I was like, "Oh my god! <laughs> all right, let me tell you a story." And, uh, and I told her all of this, and and the mood in the car was just coming down and down <laughs> and down, and it was just getting quiet. And then Tim goes. Candace is a crime writer. Yeah. And everyone went, oh, <laughs> Tim okay. saved the day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you saved the day. But, uh, you know, I'll be sitting there, my, my, my in-laws had to get used to it. Like just yesterday, literally yesterday, my uh, father-in-law had this big torch and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him. He's got the torch and he's putting new batteries in it and all this. And I said, so I was listening to this true crime podcast about this guy that got a torch in the mail and and, and he was clicking the torch and he handed it to his son, clicking it, clicking it. Where is this torch come from? Why doesn't it work? Let's go and get some more batteries. And the son went out to the kitchen to get more batteries and bang, it exploded and just blew this guy to pieces. And, and my father-in-law would have been like, yeah, yeah. Oh, he, my God. He, <laughs> he was used to it. He's used yeah. to it but also very interesting. He was like, yeah. who sent the torch? And, yeah. and I'm like, well, it's unsolved, but they thought that it might have been this and that. It's just, <sighs> it's just, it's just I have so many stories. Oh. I'm just bursting with them oh, all the time. I could talk to you for five hours. <laughs> that's is it true? Was it? Is it true that Ted Bundy is one of your fa- not favourites because that's such <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, 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 but someone that you're fascinated I by? I am fascinated by because, um I'm just fascinated by killers who bunk the trend um, and uh, he uh, he had this personality that could, on the one hand, encompass this charismatic, funny, mm. smart law student, you know, ladies' man, this kind of thing, and on the other end is a scale he's you know, killing women and driving up into the mountains and putting makeup on their bodies and stuff and changing their clothes and things. And that is so surreal and weird and horrifying. And it's just his personality is so large that it encompasses both of them. Mm. Um, and wasn't he in a relationship for a lot of the beginning yeah, of when he was yeah. like a loving relationship? Yes, yeah. And then still murdering on the side. Yeah, on the side, yeah. yeah. And you find that um, uh, Dennis Rader, who called himself BTK, blind torture kill, yeah, he yeah. had a wife and kids <sighs> as well and a seemingly normal life. Okay. Um, it's it's quite common. And wow. uh, Lawrence had girlfriends and things all the way along and, um, and you know, because they're, they're – I said to Tim afterwards, if you had met Lawrence as he was, as I met him in the shark cage, um, at a bus stop, you'd think, oh, you know, there's a friendly old man. Yeah. You know? And that's what. Yeah. That's what's terrifying is um, is someone like that pulls over and it's raining and they say, oh, hey, you want to ride home? And you don't want to be rude. Yeah. You know, and he also seems nice. So you get in. And that's, oh, yeah. You know? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh. For my, for my, I think it was my fifth novel. I was writing about a child sex offender, and I thought, who is your classic child sex offender in the Australian psyche? It's someone like 
um, Dennis Ferguson, of course. You yeah. know, he's like old and, and, and ugly and he's got a facial twitch and stuff. He's hideous to look at and and that is someone if you were walking down the street with your kid, you'd see him and you'd cross. Yeah, and you totally. you know. Um so so who who do we not expect? Yeah. As and it's and so in that the child sex offender is a, a young guy in his twenties and he has a girlfriend and he yeah. and he lives next door and he has a job and all this. It's like and that's what gets gets people and they think, ah, I didn't expect that. Either. Yeah, it's this. I'm going down such a tangent here but I feel like <laughs> you're okay. so open. But for yeah, me right. as well. Oh, yeah, I know. No, I we got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. Good, yeah. good. Um, <laughs> I got really sucked into Mindhunter as well because yeah. like understanding the human behaviour mm. aspect, the trigger aspect, the yeah. childhood, like looking back and that's mm. even last night with Lawrence, like I was like went down to childhood. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. You know, uh, and it's so fascinating. And Mindhunter, even that that book that was written. So it was a. Do you know when I talk about Mindhunter? What yeah. I'm, yeah, the yeah. John, John Douglas and yeah. the other guy. I study acting, and that's now one of our act, recommended acting oh, books to understand human yeah, behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I found that so interesting. When there was, I think it was, um, is it Edmund? The Coed, Coed kill. Is he the Coed yeah, killer? Yeah, Edmund, Edmund Kemper. And he was so lovely and helping yes. and so the way you describe, like yeah. a really lovely. And he has actually narrated like a thousand audio books for the public library system in really? the US. So if you look up a free, if you have like a free copy of Sherlock Holmes or something that you want to, you know, stuff that's yeah. like in the public domain, you listen to it online, you might you might be getting him. Wow. Um, he is, yeah, he's another example of, of, of just a but, – but I think that um, they're just these psychopaths and, and you'd have to say all serial killers are psychopaths with the rare exception. They're just used to mimicking empathy yeah. and human behaviour and they tell you what you want to know. And, it's, and that's, you know, not all, all psychopaths are, are serial killers. There are business people who are like that, you know, mm. and you, you hear about yeah. guys, oh, he looked me right in the eyes and he was – telling me everything and I felt like he really saw me and we connected and all that and it's just it's just all strategy. Yeah, yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. scary but I find it so fascinating that yeah. I'm like, and, I th- and this I do, I really want to talk to you about the chase because sure, yeah. like I said, this is my first ever, so you need to tell me what I need to read next of yours because oh. <laughs> okay. um, I, I could not put this down. Like I literally, I'm, I'm interviewing, um, five different podcasts this week and mm. three of which are authors mm. and I was trying to, I was like, oh, I'll read a bit of this book this day, mm. a bit of this book this day. The second I started, your, started yours, everything went out the window. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> My apologies <laughs> to those authors, whoever they are. I'm no, so sorry. No, but anybody that's <laughs> listening to this, you know, you're the first ever uh, crime fiction author I've ever had mm. on this podcast. Anyone that's listening to this, please do yourself a favour and uh, get your hands on the chase. Can you give a quick rundown sure. of um, what yes. to expect? So it starts out, um, there's a bus in the desert and it's heading for a prison called Pronghorn and um, the, friend, the, the, the family members of, of guards and staff inside Pronghorn are on the bus. And so we're talking wives and, and husbands and girlfriends and children. Mm. 
So someone calls a prison and says, I've got a gun on that bus. I've just shot the driver. The bus is stopped and I'm going to light the thing up unless you release um, some inmates. And so the warden says, who do you want me to release? And they say, everyone. Mm. Um, so the entire prison is emptied um, into the desert. So there's 653 inmates mm. on the run now. And I just take you through um, the stories of some key people. So we follow Celine Osborne, who is the supervisor of Death Row. Mm-hmm. So she she's in charge of the worst of the worst, mm. and she um, she is out to recover one inmate in particular. That's John Cradle, who murdered his family, and Celine has very personal reasons mm. for wanting him uh, locked back up. She she hates his guts, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and then we. Have have uh, Trinity Parker, mm. who is uh, the U.S. Marshal assigned to the Roundup, mm. and then I take you to different people uh, in the outbreak. I take you to some victims, and uh, there's a lawyer, and there uh, there's a, a serial killer getting around. So I have little um, little chapters throughout where you just visit certain people just once to see how they experienced the yeah. the breakout. Yeah, and I found like I'd end up real like early on. I was going for Celine, like at the start, I was like, oh, okay, okay, Celine, like let's get everyone. Yeah, yeah. I was team Celine, but then as obviously, and I don't want to give anything away, but as it unfolded, I was like, hang on a minute. Mm. This is, there's got to be some justice done here, you know, like something's got to unfold. Mm. And yeah, you had me right to the very last word. And and I read in the, Acknowledgements at the back. You did go to. You mentioned the prison earlier in Sydney. Lithgow. Yeah, yeah. I did. I couldn't believe that because I wrote to a friend of mine who works in corrections, like just almost as a gag. I thought this is never going to work. <laughs> I said, "Hey, um, I'm writing a book about prisons, and I'm hoping to get inside one. Can you help me out?" Like literally, that was the email. Yeah. And he goes, "Yeah, sure. What kind of prison do you want? Old, new, minimum, maximum?" I was like, "Oh." <laughs> This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I said, oh, well, you know, as as maximum as you can get. And he said, yeah, all right, we'll go out to Lithgow. And so I went there. And it's another situation where I didn't want to ask too many questions because I like to be surprised. And, uh, uh, and yeah, uh, they just let me in and they gave me a big tour. And it was clear that the staff knew that I was coming but the inmates didn't know Mm -hmm. uh, because we would come into areas and the inmates were like, well, Who's that? You know, yeah. and she's walking around with the governor, who is what they call a warden in Australia. And I had like a, a pair of guards and things just just in case anything went down. Yeah. Um, yeah, scary. It was really? scary. Yeah. Because um, we were in rooms with big groups of inmates, big, big groups of yeah. the worst, worst inmates um, in the country. And uh, you could see that as soon as you walk in, you could see people are starting to whisper and like, we should do something, you know? And, really? and that's why we never spent any more than like two minutes. Yeah. So we went to this workshop and they were um, there was a it was a sewing room and they were sewing they were hemming sheets for hospitals. Yep. And um, there were these two guys just doing laps of the room because they're pacing everywhere. Everyone's pacing. You look on the cameras and you can see men pacing and, you, really? and they're pacing in their cells. Yeah, it's like a psychological phenomenon. Really? People in captivity they pace. Really? Yeah, like tigers. Like tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And uh, so they were doing laps going round and round and round because you can't make them work. Yeah. And if they turn up 
and they don't do any work, they get like six cents. Um, and if they turn up and actually do work, they get like 17 cents. Got it. So we were standing here and the guys are going around and then suddenly for the next lap there's four guys going around yeah. because they have to go right past us and then there's six guys going around and they're going to come around and they're going to do something. <gasps> and the, the governor's just went, okay, let's go. Like we, We've got to get out of here, you yeah. know, type of thing. And uh <gasps> And uh, she also, when we're out in the yard, some guys started catcalling. Yeah. And so she was trying to talk over the top of them and shall we just go this way? So I couldn't hear, you know, what they were saying. And I was like, don't worry about it. It's okay. Like what are they going to say, you know, that I haven't heard? But, you know, everyone, they managed it really well. Like the worst thing, um, some guy saw me like through some, he was in another yard with some mesh and he, he like, grabbed his crutch like hey baby look yeah. at this type of thing and I was That's, like you know yeah. what who has what lady hasn't had that done yeah. in a bar or something somewhere you know but I yeah. the governess had been punched in the face the day before yes. yeah and so I was like wow if she if, if an inmate can punch her yeah I'm gonna get something thrown at me I'm gonna get I'm gonna get something I heard you describe it almost felt like a school would feel at night time. Yeah, like, yeah. But a bit more cagey, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It um, it looked like a school, like it was sort of flat and huge and um, the buildings were all sort of painted that, that you know, government cream yeah, colour yeah. and then, you know, the floors are like polished concrete and stuff and it had like the echo of a school to it. Um, but, yeah, nice gardens and everything. You know what I was struck by? is how many young, young men that they were really? that were there and then also um, handsome. Really? And oh. I think to myself, it's stupid because I think to myself, you are so young and so handsome, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah. With a face like that, why didn't you go and, you know, do anything? Yeah. But that's not how crime works, yeah. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's the same assumption again. You yeah. think to yourself, he's so young and so handsome, he couldn't possibly have a hard time in life or he yeah. couldn't possibly have any criminal proclivities because he looks nice, you know, and then you think mm. that is a terrible way to think, you know, about people. It's also understandable, though, that you yeah. would think that initially, like your mm. initial filter. I was saying to you just before we started, I had an actor on here yesterday who's in Wentworth and they're all mm. in their teal, like every yeah. scene, yeah. head to toe teal. Yeah. Is there a colour that's worn at Lithgow? Uh, I believe it was dark green. Got it. From I don't know why memory. I wanted to try to stop. I know it's dark green at um, Long Bay and I believe it was green. What was it in America? Uh, so in Lawrence's section, it was denim in yeah. the death row. Yeah. Um, like, and so when you're going in, you can't wear any denim at all. You can't wear any any dark blue. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I don't know about the inmates in the rest of. Um, so interesting. I could like. I know this is so. I yeah. just find it so 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 fascinating. I've got to ask you because I feel like you would have the perfect answer for this. Uh, anyone that's listening that is like me and new to crime uh, fiction, if you've got to have a favourite true crime podcast, right? Mm. Oh, my God. Now you're asking me to choose my favourite oh, children. <laughs> I started listening to Live and Die in LA and oh. I spent a lot of time, which is a true crime. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, there are the so many now. the detective sharing yeah. as is. yeah. And I, because I do a lot of work in LA, I'm like, oh my god, I, can't, I had to stop it yeah. because I was like, this is going to be me, and this will happen to me. I was 
flipping out. Like it was yeah. too, it felt too scary. Wow. Okay. Yeah. okay. All the LA ones I get too scared with, so I never watch oh, any of them. Oh, man. Okay. Well, let me just, let me just tell you like a handful of really, really good ones. So there's, um, for people who like like long stories and lots of color that unfold over, you know, um, eight episodes, uh, there's one called Someone Knows Something. Which yep. is excellent, very emotional. The um, the the host David Ridgen is um, very personable. Um, for short, really disturbing um, <laughs> uh, crime ones that are like one crime per episode. Uh, I like Sword and Scale. Okay. Um, and for a, a humorous kind of take on crime, I like um, the last podcast on the left. Okay. I just did an interview with them, which was like, wow, I oh. can't believe I got to be on that podcast. Oh, and awesome. also um, My Favourite Murder Okay, is also good. Um, yeah, there's just so many. Oh. oh, You know who I'm listening to recently is the Gary Jubilin one. I don't um, know it. Oh, uh, he's like the hotshot, uh, <laughs> you know, homicide detective yeah, in Australia okay. and oh. he's been f- He's been fired and he's doing different things at the moment. Oh, um, and he's, it's just him sitting having chats with police that he has known. Oh, uh, it's so funny. Oh, you know, it's so oh. interesting. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And what about this is a very selfish question. What's the next book that I should read? Oh, <laughs> look, um, I have a bunch of different series. So I'll tell you the first book in each of the series and then you can. So Hades is my yeah. very first series And you ever. got an award straight away, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, for that, yep. And, and then, Eden. Uh, like- so that's Hades, Eden, Fall. That's in one yeah. series. There's Crimson Lake, Redemption Point and Gone by Midnight. Yeah. That's a, another series. So Crimson Lake is being turned into a TV yeah. show. So I know. if people read that now, then they'll be in You're time. prepped. You're prepped. Yeah, I'm really proud of Crimson Lake as well. Yeah. Um, like The Chase, it was was one of those things, those books where I said to my agent, my publisher, this is what I'm planning to do. And they went, oh, that sounds huge. Like yeah. Crimson Lake has three different crimes in it yeah. and there's past, present and all this kind of stuff. And, of course, this is a breakout, a mass breakout yeah. with like 12 different perspectives or something. They were like, how are you going to do that? And I was like, well, you just you just watch. You yeah. just sit and watch. <laughs> yeah, I'll show you. I'll show you how I do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going to start with Crimson Lake next. Okay. I've got to uh, ask a funny author thing that I heard about <laughs> or in an interview that you did. You put out to your audience, you were like, hey, I'm going to write someone into one of my books. Oh, yeah, and okay. Were, yeah. were mm. people literally writing to you going, don't want to be a detective. Yeah, 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 yeah. Murder me, please. So, murder me. <laughs> murder me. <laughs> it's really weird. A psychologist would probably study it. But uh, every book um, lately, I've started giving away um, spots in the novel, and you can win them by doing yeah. different things. Sometimes I raise money, for, yeah. you know, for charity or whatever. Um, so I, yeah, the first time I ever did it, there was a huge influx of people uh, wanting to be in the book. And this woman said, "If I win," she wrote to me and she said, "If I win." can I put my son in the book? And I said, yeah, sure, why not? She said, he's eight. And I said, yeah, okay, sure, no problem. She said, and uh, can you murder him (laughs) brutally? Brutally. (laughs) I was like, um... Sure. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I'm thinking she's she's not gonna win. <laughs> like it'll be okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Weird requests people have. It's uh. It's 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 hard. Yeah. So I was talking to my podcast at ma- managers yesterday, and I was saying I'm so excited. I've got Candace Fox on the podcast mm. tomorrow. I was like, I, I've never ha- consumed a book that fast in my life. <laughs> 
And they said, you know, you obviously know that true crime and crime fiction is massive, like it's a big, yeah. huge genre. And I was yeah. like, yeah, like I've heard that the demo's like huge and female-based. And someone, one of my podcast managers said, you know that women read the victim part usually from their own perspective oh. and it becomes like a... Yeah. Oh, well, I know how to handle my the way your mum was mm. like, well, this happened. Yeah. And don't say, you know, don't say yes to yeah. going with the pup, the person that's gonna show you a puppy, because that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. apparently, like it's a, a psychological protection thing where mm. women read potentially like victim things and be like, well, I, I know that I can get out of that situation yeah. if I do it's, Yeah, and I've heard women say that before, like, um, oh, you should just do this or do that, or oh. I Yeah, it's it's funny. I have always tried to think of myself as 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 tough like oh I would I would go fine in a fight or I would get my keys out and all this kind of stuff it's funny when I actually faced a serial killer for the first time in a dangerous situation my mind just went scratch him scratch his face (laughs) yeah and I just had this whole psychological urge like if he comes over here just scratch him you know and I thought later I was like that's not what I should I should kick him or I should punch him like don't scratch him so I I don't know how useful some of that knowledge is in the moment, <laughs> but um, I have heard that about women yeah. reading women reading crime because it's a safe way to be scared and then to yeah. get over the top of you know you see the perpetrator yeah. put away and and that kind of full thing. circle yeah. yeah yeah so you can kind of put it to bed and literally be like okay yes. I, there's an end to this yeah. it's okay yeah yeah oh my goodness I could honestly just pick your brains forever and ever and ever and I just think. You're wonderful. You've got a massive <laughs> fan you. in me as oh, well good. now. So the final thing I'm going to ask you to do when we finish is can you sign my book? Yes, I will. <laughs> of course I will. Thank uh, you. You are wonderful, Candice. And um, I'm going to put links all in the show notes so everybody can get their hands on your brand new book, The Chase. It's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> That's a wrap on another episode of Fearlessly Failing. As always, thank you to our guests. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Yummo Lollaberry. This potty, my word for podcast, is available on all streaming platforms. I'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and comment. And of course, spread the love.